It's Ephesians chapter 6. Kids, I think we'll recognize that. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 is a pretty well-known verse. That's the verse to children. It's really the only command that's given directly to children in the Bible. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But then it goes on, and of course, we are, we're, we're, we're talking about the family and um, taking some time to go through some of those things, and, and I want to be very practical tonight, um, but many of the things that are very practical are also very spiritual. And, uh, and so I want to give you some things tonight that I think will be a help to you. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. The, 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 the focus that I want to look at here is, But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word nurture here means basically training of a child. Um, education, instruction, discipline. Um, it, it means that it, as fathers in particular, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're doing what needs to be done in our family, but we're to train up children in such a manner as the Lord approves. We're, we're to educate our children for virtue. We're to educate them for religion. We're to, we're to help them grow up in a spiritual, uh, with a spiritual desire. That's what nurture means. And then admonition literally means a putting, a putting in mind. Um, and then warning, and then admonition, and then instruction, and so on. But the sense here is that, that we're to put them to mind in, in the Lord, um, uh, talking about and, and giving them the idea of His existence, His, his perfection, His holiness, His righteousness. Uh, that's what bringing them up in the admonition of the Lord means. Um, that it's, it's a positive command, it really is, and it's... And, and it's, and it's really fits right in line with all the rest of the commands in the Bible. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's a negative command. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, and we actually kind of see that. You fathers provoke not your children to wrath. That is telling us to, not to do something. This, on the other hand, is telling us we better be doing this. Bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. So, uh, you know, of, of all the joys in life, uh, parenting is, is undoubtedly at the top of the list. Um, you know, it's, it's more than changing diapers. It's more than waking up at 2 o'clock to go feed the baby. It's more than, you know, nap times. It's more than toys and spit up and, and all of those things that you, you know, thankfully that we're moving out of. We haven't had to deal with those kind of things in a while. Um, but it's, it's, it's about taking uh, a life that, that was given to you by God and raising it and shaping it and molding it, watching it develop into what God wants it to be. And uh, essentially, that is, that's what our job is from the very beginning, is that we are to, we're to take what's been given to us by God. The, our children are not ours. They belong to God. And so we're supposed to shape them and mold them into what God wants them to be. And by the way, you know, this is, this is you know, more directed at, at, at families tonight, but our church family is just as much a part of that. You know, everybody that's involved in you know, the, uh, the teaching them the Bible. Everybody's involved in the Sunday school class and all that stuff. Everybody's involved in that. And not, just, not even just the people that are, that are involved in the ministries. Everybody that is, that is here is an example to the children that are growing up. And, you know, you might not be the one that's living with them day to day and, you know, dealing with the, the nitty-gritty of them growing up and serving the Lord, but you have a whole lot to do with it. You know, they're watching you. They see how you act. They see how you live, and they're looking for, you know, they're, they're watching those things. Kids, pay attention to those kind of things. And, and so I, I know we're not focusing so much on that tonight, but you absolutely have a lot to do with the way that our kids, all of our kids, and when I say our, I mean all of our kids. They're our kids, you know. We're a community. 
We're a, we're a church, and as part of a church, you have a responsibility to live your life in a way that as the young children watch you, you're helping to train them in the way that they should, they should grow up. But, you know, I say all those things about younger kids and everything else, and even as they get older, you know, there's more to parenting than schedules and meals and school and, you know, um, you know people getting their feelings hurt on the playground and, you know, uh, graduation and all of this kind of stuff. There's more to, there's more to parenting than that. Parenting is, is about directing that little life to God. Because after all, God created that life in the first place, you know? And, and that's the other thing to me as far as this whole idea of, of abortion and that whole crowd that, well, it's my, it's, I can do it what I want to with it because it's, it's my body. You can't. It's not your body. It's God's. He created it. It belongs to him. And, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I think, it's so, I think it's so interesting that, you know, if we were to find a little speck of a, of a uh, molecule on Mars, people would call that life, you know? And yet here you have a baby that has got a heartbeat and, and it's got all the features and the functions and everything else of an actual, you know, baby that is outside of the womb, and they want to try to say that that's not life. It is life. It's a life that God created and that God gave us to birth and to grow into what he wants it to be. Um, it's, it, it takes a mom and a dad with unconditional love for, uh, for one another and an unconditional love for their children. And it's, 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 it's an awesome and, and sometimes tiring responsibility, but it's a responsibility nonetheless, and the rewards are so worthwhile. And um, this, this list that I'm going to give you tonight is not original with me, but I've added to it from some of my experience growing up, from, from, from some of the experience of now having my own kids that are growing up, I, I found it as, as pretty much just a list. And so I've added a lot of things to it to try to help us tonight. Um, but very simply, it's just this, helps for raising well-balanced children. Helps for raising well-balanced children. We're going to look at some verses, but I also want to be very practical with this tonight too. And so let's pray, and then we'll look at some of these things. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend together tonight. Pray that you'd help us as we... Uh, together, and then individually as parents work on raising children that will grow up to serve you with their lives. And I pray that this would be a help to us tonight in that way, and thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing is this, and I don't mean this to sound bad, but number one, be normal. Uh, be normal. By that, I, I mean be careful not to develop um, nutty ideas. And I don't want to get into you know, necessarily details because maybe it's something that you've decided that you're going to do, and I don't want to call it nutty necessarily. But, but you know, what I mean by that is some people will tell their children that they can't, you, know, you can't attend Sunday school or um, you, know, you can only be with your parents. Um, uh, and again, I understand, and I'm, I'm completely in favor of the husband leading the home, the father and mother teaching the children at home and but, but God gave us Sunday school classes. God gave us children's ministries and classes for a reason, and, and that's to help us to do our job in parenting. Because uh, I'll tell you this, a lot of times what happens is kids that grow up that, that only have their parents as their instructors usually grow up to be kids that are not very well-balanced kids. Because what happens is you're only getting it from the parent's perspective. When you put your kid in a Sunday school class and you start to realize that your kid doesn't listen to other people, that's an issue, right? It's a problem. They might listen to you perfectly, but then you put them somewhere else and they have no respect for authority. They have no respect for what the teacher's telling them to do. They have no sense of obedience to a teacher or anything like that. How are you going to know that if you never put them in Sunday school, you never let them out of your sight? 
you know? They're going to grow up and they're going to be put into society and they're not going to know how to function because the only thing they've ever been around is mom and dad, you know? Uh, and so when I, when I say be normal, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, go be quirky if you want to be quirky. I, I mean, just, don't, just be careful that we're not developing these, you know, ideas. Because I'll tell you what happens with that too. Many times ideas like that turn into the dad um, feeling almost like he's God and nobody's going to tell me how I'm going to raise my children. Nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do in my family. And to a certain extent, that's true. You have every right to, you know, to say what goes on in your family and what doesn't go on in your family. Um, but when somebody's trying to tell you what to do with your family based on what the Word of God says, then you have a responsibility to, to do what the Word of God says, not what your nutty ideas that you came up with are saying to you. you know? But what ends up happening a lot of times with that is that you know, the dad becomes to the place where he feels like he's in such an ultimate position over his family that he takes his family out of church and they start having church in their own home. I don't need a pastor telling me how to raise my family and all this stuff. No, but you do need a pastor and you do need a church. That's, filled, that's all the way throughout the Bible, right? You have a pastor to be a shepherd to you. You have, you know, others around you that are teaching the classes and, 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 and uh, being involved in the ministries that are going to help your child become what God wants it to be. And that is a well-balanced child that's going to grow up to serve God. And if, and if you know, you get to the, to the place, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this because we have an issue with it. We don't. I've seen it so many times happen. And I mean, I, I've, I've been in church my entire life. I'm 36. I, I was in church probably a week after I was born. So I've seen a lot of examples of people that have grown up and had families in church that, that did things like this, and it never, never turns out well. Because they leave the church, we're going to do home church, we're going to start, I'm going to preach to my family at home, and before long, they're not doing anything. Right. Well, I know it's Sunday, we'll, we'll do this Monday, we're, we're busy, Monday comes around, you don't do it, Tuesday, well, we'll now, now we'll just wait till next Sunday, and, and before long, you've got kids that, that you can't control, that you're not teaching anything to the, you know, about the Bible, too, and, and it's just, you know, there's a whole host of other far-out ideas that parents come up with, uh, but God ordained the church to help in our own spiritual lives and also to help in the lives of our children. Amen. Uh, I'll tell you that, that a lot of times the, the parents that come up with these crazy, far-out ideas are parents that are looking for attention right. because they can't control their kids, and so they have to come up with something that's going to take the attention off the way that their kids act. And so they come out with these crazy ideas. Well, my kid's not going to be in Sunday school. My kid's not going to do that. My kid's not going to do that. And, you know, they, they, they're, they're in control of their family. Nobody's going to tell them what they will and will not do. And, and a lot of times, it's, it's parents that absolutely have no control over their families in the first place. And that's why they're coming up with these crazy ideas. They're trying to look better to people on the outside. Well, I'm doing things with my family, and this is how I'm going to do it, you know. By the way, one of the worst things that you can do as a, as a punishment to your children is to pull them out of all the ministries and uh, pull them out of things that are actually going to help them, you know? Uh, so, sh you know, sure, if, if, if there's some activity that they're really looking forward to and you told them that, that this and this and this had to be done and they better not do this and this and this or they're not going, that's fine to use something, you know, something fun as a punishment. But when you say, well, you're, you're being bad at, at, at school, so you're not going to Sunday school, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're out of that ministry, you're out of that ministry, those are things that will actually help them to become what God wants them to be and actually might give them a vision for what God wants them to be. And when you pull them out of all of those things, you're hindering them more than you're helping them. Just be careful. Be careful. And so be normal. Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but, but I, hope, I hope you understand what I mean by that. Second thing is this. Establish limited rules. Um, a lot of parents don't have enough rules. 
But that's not the, that's not the point here, because most parents, um, most, you know, especially in the world today, literally have zero rules for their kids. They're just going to let them, well, I want them to make their own choices, so I'm not going to put any kind of limitations on them. It's like, you know, it's like never training a dog and then letting them run outside with no fence. You think the dog's going to stay anywhere close to your property? <laughs> of course not. He's going to run out. He's going to get in the street. He's going to, he's, you know, he's running into the possibility of getting hit by a car. He's running into the possibility of, of somebody else taking him. He's running into the possibility of all kinds of things that could be bad for that dog, right? So our, our, our children need rules. They need boundaries. They need fences. Um, but I, we have to be careful not to establish too many fences, right? Put a big fence up around the outside of the yard and let them enjoy the yard. You don't need to put up a fence inside the yard here and another fence inside that fence and another fence inside that fence so they have this much room to move around in, right? Uh, that's, that's, look, God gave us Ten Commandments, Right? And, and there's other things, there's other commands in the Bible, but he gave us Ten Commandments. So we, don't, we shouldn't be constantly creating new rules. B- because part of it is that new rules and regulations don't get to the heart of the matter anyway. Well, my kid's got a problem with this, so I'm going to create another rule. It's not, it's not the problem with there's not enough rules. It's, number one, you're probably not enforcing the rules that you already have. But number two, you haven't won your child's heart. And until you win his heart, you can, you can put all the rules there that you want to. More rules literally just lead to more rebellion unless you have their heart. And so uh, one writer said this, if it's not wrong, wicked, or against the Bible, leave it alone. You know, uh, just don't, we don't need to overregulate everything. Um, you know, because by the way, you know, Giving instruction and discipline and teaching character and responsibility, I mean, those things are all vital things. They're all very important things. Um, but don't forget to let kids have fun once in a while. Um, and, and again, if it's not wrong, if it's not violating some kind of biblical command or something like that, you know, go for it. You don't need to constantly make new rules. You, just, you really need to enforce the ones that you already have and work on getting your child's heart. Here's number three. Raise your children from a heart of love. Turn over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, don't rule with an iron fist, rule with a heart of love, right? Isn't that what communism is all about? Communism is ruling with an iron fist. You're going to do it because I said you're going to do it. And look, somebody has to be in charge. The, the dad ought to have control of his family, and, and because I said so is a good enough reason for them to do it. Um, but so many people rule with an iron fist without a heart of love. And then that's, that's something else that breeds rebellion within a child. Um, uh, you, can, you can be strict, and if they know that you love them, they'll allow you to be strict. And I don't mean that in, in a wrong way. Well, I have to get permission for my kids to be strict. I, I don't mean that. But if they know that you love them, then when you are strict with them, they'll let you be strict. They'll fit within those rules and guidelines, and you'll, you'll have their heart at the same time. Titus 2, verse number 2. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. That the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. By the way, this is not talking to parents. It's talking to everybody. It's talking to everybody in the church, right? Here's how the old men ought to act. Here's how the old women ought to act. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. 
We could, we could go on reading, but I think that, that, that phrase there is key, to teach them to love their children. One of the mistakes that especially fathers make, I think, is being too hard. Um, you know, we see the lack of discipline in families in the world today, so we determine that our kids are going to grow up right. They're going to live in a strict home, and, and, and we should have rules. We should have boundaries. I, I can't stress that enough, but, but that makes us go overboard sometimes in being too hard. And uh, we should be strict, but we should be strict with a heart of love. The Bible says that very plainly, and, and I know you've moved away from there now, but Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, the first part of that verse that we read said what? Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, right? That is, that is basically saying don't rule with an iron fist without a heart of love. Uh, part of that means you, should, you, you shouldn't discourage them. Um, we ought to be encouraging them when they do good just as much as we punish them when they do wrong. You know, uh, and that's something that I, uh, I wouldn't say I struggle with it, but I've, I've tried to concentrate on that a little bit more. You know, we're so quick to pick out the things that they're doing wrong. And yet, when they do the things that we want them to do, we're not as quick to compliment them and praise them for when they do the things that we want them to do. Isn't that what we do with dogs anyway? Right? You, you, they, they, you know, they wet on the floor and you smack them on the nose. No, 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 no. But then they go outside. Oh, you're such a good boy. You're such a good boy. You know, oh, good boy. You know, all this kind of stuff. We do that with dogs and yet we don't do it with our children. Right? They, they disobey and we come down hard on them. You're not going to disobey in this house. You're not going to do this. And then they obey and finally you're doing what you're supposed to do. You know? <laughs> Why not praise them for doing the things that they're supposed to do? Right? That's, that's how they're going to learn to do the things that are, that are right. And look, isn't that why a dog eventually does the things that he's supposed to do? It's not so much that, that he's just, well, I don't, want to, I don't want to get whacked on the nose with the newspaper. He's like, I want that treat. I'm going to do it because I want the treat, right? Isn't that why dog trainers have a big bag full of treats with them? You do it right, you get the treat. You do it right, you get the treat. Eventually, the dog starts doing it right because he wants the treat, not because he's afraid of the newspaper as much. But then he starts doing it because it's a habit, and this is what he's always done, right? And that's the same way that we, I, I say train, but that's the same way that we train our children, right? They get disciplined when they do wrong, but it's not so much that we want them to be afraid of the discipline. We want them to be thankful for the praise. And then eventually, they, they, they do that so much that that's just the way it becomes. So raise your children from a heart of love. Here's another one. Number four is expect obedience. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, right? Uh, children need to learn to obey the first time, every time. Um, don't beg for it. Will you please, will you please stop touching everything in the store? Right. Will you please clean up your room, Amen. you know? I'm not begging my children to obey me. I'm telling them to obey me, and they better do it, right? Isn't that, I mean, look, it's not, that's not unreasonable. The Bible commands them to obey their parents, so to command them to obey their parents is actually very biblical, not anti-biblical. You know, don't whine for it. Why can't you just do like I tell you to do? You know, how many times do parents do that over and over and over and over again? I don't feel like coming home and having you not listen. Please just do what I say, right? Don't whine for it. Don't beg for it. Don't negotiate for it. You got to establish who's in charge because I can tell you one thing. You give your child some room, he'll take charge in that home. And if you're willing to negotiate for it, then he's in charge, not you. Um, you know, if you do what you're told, then I'll give you, you know, fill in the blank. Um, you know, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with giving them a reward for, for their obedience. But 
It's not, well, I'll give you this if you do this. You know, um, I've told you 10 times to clean your room. I'll, play, I'll let you play video games if you just go do it, right? That's negotiation. And guess who's in charge of that negotiation? All right, all right, I'll go clean my room if you let me play video games. You're not in charge. The kid's in charge, right? Expect, expect, expect obedience. Um, that means never allowing them to get away with disobeying. Because the moment you allow them to get away with disobeying, then they're going to do that every single time after that. You know why? Because maybe this is the time that I'm not going to get in trouble for it. Why wouldn't I try to get away with it? You know, expect obedience. Number five, be responsible to teach. Be responsible to teach. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So we're to nurture and discipline our children in the admonition of the Lord. That's, that's training by actions. Teach, teach consequences. Teach them that there are consequences for doing wrong. Uh, not, just, you know, not just discipline at home, but far-reaching consequences. Look what happens when you don't do this. Look what happens when you do this. Look at all the people and all the things that are affected by those decisions. That's what teaching them is about. Uh, and, and by teaching them those things, then you're helping them to read character in other people. We, we try to teach our children to have, the, you know, to have good friends and to, be, be, uh, to associate with, with people who are going to help them grow spiritually and in, in every other area. You know? So how do they know how to find good friends? Well, if you're teaching them... Uh, what character is, then they're going to be able to read that character in other people. Um, and, and if you can teach them to judge character by teaching them to model the right character, then when somebody comes along that doesn't have character, they'll be able to see that in somebody else. And they'll know, that's not a good person that I need to be hanging out with. I need to stay away from that person. You know, there are so many more things that we need to teach them. We, we don't have time to discuss here, but, but suffice it to say that we have a responsibility and we must be responsible to teach our children. Look for teaching opportunities. But then here's something that goes right along with that. Number six, listen more than you lecture. Listen more than you lecture. Do they need to be taught? Yes, absolutely they need to be taught. Um, but if you're willing to listen to them when they're talking to you, then you can have a conversation, and having a conversation goes a whole lot farther than just a lecture, right? How many, how many times have you sat in a class and listened to a an hour-long lecture, and then they ask you questions about it afterwards, and you can't even hardly remember anything that's been talked about, right? Because you're thinking about a thousand other things when you're being lectured, right? But now, get into a conversation with somebody about something, and you can ask questions about it while you're talking about this with this person, and they're giving you that one-on-one -on -one attention time, and then guess what? You're going to remember a whole lot more about that conversation than you will about a lecture. So that's why I say listen more than you lecture, and then let that be a conversation instead of a lecture. Here's number seven. Be happy. Be happy. Sounds self-explanatory, but, but don't raise your kids' intention. Um, you know, they, they shouldn't grow up walking on eggshells wondering when the next time is going to be that you're going to blow up and start throwing stuff and, you know, start punching walls and, you know breaking their toys and, you know, well, if you guys are going to be that way with your toys, you're not going to put them things away, then fine. <laughs> Throw them away, you know. I mean, they ought not to be wondering when the next time is that that's going to happen. Let it be a happy place, you know. Let home be an enjoyable place. Don't provoke them to wrath like the Bible says. Stay calm. Because if you're a spirit-filled parent, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, then, then you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to control your responses. 
And if the Holy Spirit's controlling your responses, that's never a Holy Spirit response, to fly off the handle in anger. By the way, same thing is true of discipline, right? When you're mad and you're angry, you can do things in discipline that you should never do to your children, you know? Um, there's, there's such a thing as righteous anger. I mean, you remember Jesus in the temple? He went in there and flipped over the money changers' tables and drove them out with whips and everything else. There's such a thing as righteous anger. So I'm not saying there's never a time to don't ever be angry at what your children have done. I'm not saying that. But, but most of our anger is just because we had a bad temper and we allow the flesh to take over. So be happy. Be happy. Let your children grow up in a, in a happy home. Number eight. And this, this goes right along with that, but let your children see Christ in you. Let your children see Christ in you. This is so big in relation to teaching. Um, you can talk all day long. If your children don't see Christ in you, then they're going to see you as nothing more than a hypocrite. And by the way, that, that, that goes very much for parents, but that also goes for everybody that teaches, everybody that's involved in the ministries, right? You can tell them all day long what they should and shouldn't do, but if they see you, you know, taking a smoke break out back, you know, that's not helping them any, right? So we're, we're training our children, we're teaching our children, but we have to live what we teach or it means absolutely nothing. And, and by the way, you, could, you can teach your children about something for 10 years and then on one day they can see you doing it and all of that teaching for 10 years means nothing. You're doing it. He's been telling me for 10 years not to do that and look, he's doing that. Ten years for one moment. And now you're nothing but a hypocrite. So it's very important. It's very important that we uh, let our children see Christ in us. That ought to be our goal in every aspect of our life, but it ought to be the biggest at home. You know? I want people to see Christ in me everywhere. But more than anything, I want my children to see Christ in me at home. And that's what our goal ought to be. Right along with that is number nine, and that is set a good example. You've heard people say, do as I say, not as I do. Right? How many times, and I just used that example, but how many times have you seen somebody with a cigarette in their hand, you know? Son, let me tell you something. Don't ever get started on these cigarettes. Don't ever smoke a cigarette. Right? Do as I say, not as I do. And a lot of that is they're speaking from experience because they realize that they're addicted to it and they can't get away from it and don't ever start. But do as I say, not as I do, is not a good way to teach somebody how to live their life, especially your own children. We should be living our lives to be able to say, what I tell you is important, but do as I do. That's how we ought to be living our lives. You do exactly what you see me doing, and I'll be happy, you know? If your children grow up to be just like you, if, if your children grow up to be just like you are now, how spiritual will they be as an adult? If your children grow up to be as spiritual as you are right now, how spiritual will they be as adults? Um, somebody said this once, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. And here's the last one, and we're done. Help your child find his or her future. And, and by that I mean this, when, when they're small, don't worry about them wanting to be a police officer, or don't worry about them wanting to be a fireman, or a, a you know, a, a rodeo cowboy, or whatever, you know. Um, professional baseball player or, you know, a lot of these kids, well, one of these days I'm going to go to the NBA. You know, I'm going to play in the NBA. You know, I think it's good for them to have goals and aspirations and something that they want to be. That's good. I would, you know, and so, and so when I say, 
you know, help them find their future. Don't, when they're kids, don't worry about the things that they say they want to be or do. Those things change so fast anyway. Well, son, you're never going to be a rodeo cowboy. Let me tell you why, you know. Let them, let them want to be a rodeo cowboy, you know. Let them want to go be a police officer. Let them want to go do whatever, right? That's, that's fantasies as children. And look, if, 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 you know, if they're still saying that when they're 22, then maybe that's what God wants them to do. You know, I don't know. But um, when they're older, we ought to guide them into conversations about their future. And, and by that, I mean this. You know, one of the ways that we can do that is by, by asking questions instead of giving them answers. There's one person that I know what God's will is for his life. And that's me. I don't know what God's will is for anybody else. Now, I think God gives, God gives wisdom in those things, and God gives some direction, and God gives some insight. But I can't tell you what God's will is for your life, and I can't tell my children what God's will is for their life. I don't know. Do I want them to grow up and, and become pastors and pastors' wives and missionaries and all that stuff? That, that would throw my heart if that's what they became. But that, not, that might not be what God wants them to become. So if all I do with my children is, is, is you know, drill into them that you need to go into the ministry, you need to go into the ministry, you need to be a pastor, then they're going to grow up with that conflict. If God does not want them to be a pastor, well, now I'm disappointing my dad if I don't become a pastor. And so, well, I, I better just go become a pastor. And that might not be what God wants them to be. I'd be thrilled if it is, but it might not be. And so I can't say, you need to go to Bible college, you need to get a degree in pastoral theology, you need to go get a job as an assistant pastor, and then after that, you need to look at how you're going to become a pastor. That might not be what God wants him to be. And so rather than saying, this is what you need to do, ask questions. Let God, let the Holy Spirit do that work in their heart. Let God answer those questions in their mind for them. Um, the last thing I want for them is to, is to be in the ministry if that's not where God wants them to be. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want my children to feel pressured to be in the ministry because I'm in the ministry. I don't want my, my children to feel like this is what I have to do because this is what I've always done. This is all I know. If that's what God wants them to do, then they better do that. Amen. But if God wants them to be a doctor, then they better do that. Right. If God wants them to be a police officer, then they better do that. If God wants them to be a, a rodeo cowboy, then they better do that. You know, because what God wants them to do is, is much more important than what I want them to do Amen. or what I would like them to do. So what we need to do is teach them how to find God's will. And that's where, you know, having a pastor to help with those things and help you help your children how to find God's will for their life. That's what God gives us, pastors and teachers and all those things. But then let God point them in the direction that they need to go. One last, one last uh, uh, verse and we're done. Joshua chapter 1. Turn over there, if you will. I know you know this passage well, but I want you to look at it. Because I think this is, this is exactly what we're trying to do with our children. And I think this is how we can get there. While you're turning over there, let me give you that list again. Number one, be normal. Number two, establish limited rules. Number three, raise your children from a heart of love. Number four, expect obedience. Number five, be responsible to teach. Number six, listen more than you lecture. Seven, be happy. Eight, let your children see Christ in you. Nine, set a good example. And number 10, help your child find his or her future. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. 
For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We have our children in our home for such a short time. They live to be 70 years old, and we get 20 of those years. The majority of their life is not lived in your home. They may die young. I mean, that's, that's always a possibility. But if they live to be 70 years old and you have them for 18, 20 years, that's a very, very short time, especially when you consider that for the first three, they don't even, you know, they can't even comprehend what's going on. And the last six, they don't care what's going on. I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying is that we have such a very short time with them to raise them for the Lord. And it's a, it's a season. We ought to enjoy it to the fullest, and we ought to do everything we can to help raise them for God. They're the next generation. They are going to be what carries on Christianity when we're gone. And if we fail them, and if they fail, then we have failed them. But if we fail them, then we fail the Lord because Christianity is not carried on. And they're not going to pass it on to their children. And their children certainly are not going to pass it on to their children. And, and we've dropped the ball. So this is not just... Oh, these are some good suggestions. These are things that are important. This is, this is life and death. This is the life and death of Christianity. And we all have a part in that. Parents are the most responsible for that, but everybody here has a, has a part in that too because we're all trying to raise children for the glory of God. We're all doing everything we can to get as much Bible in them while we have the opportunity and while they're still moldable, while they're still able to be molded into what God wants them to be. So very, very important. Um, and just, you know, to remember the fact that we don't have them forever. And if we don't start now, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Put the Bible as the focus. Put your relationship with God at the center. And everything else will fall into place. Um, we have that responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Let's not fail in that responsibility. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend together around your word tonight. I know very practical, very practical lessons tonight, but yet very spiritual at the same time. We have such a responsibility as parents, as a church, to raise the next generation for you. We don't want to lose it. We don't want to drop the ball. We want to see kids grow up and serve you with their lives, and so I pray that you'd help us as we try to do that. Thank you for what you do for us, and I pray that you'd send us away from here tonight with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.